With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money. From the dog days of summer through the October Classic, Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. A special hello welcome to lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg, as you guys know me from my college basketball podcast, Hoops Peterson, you can call me whatever nickname you'd like for baseball. I know that I used to go by Diamonds Peterson. I know that so many people have had so many nicknames for me, but with that said, we are back to handicapping baseball, or at the very least, getting prepared to handicap baseball. As we know, the start of the MLB season has been postponed. This is a reboot of the podcast that I thought was going to be coming a few weeks later because I thought I was going to be doing a lot more handicapping for the NCAA tournament and everything like that. But given that the college basketball season has come to an end, I now shift my attention to baseball. Just like in college basketball, I give you a side in total on every game in which we do have games. And to help me get a little bit of a primer for this season, we're going to have Curtis Rogers. He does pre and post game work for 710 ES. ESPN in Seattle. That is the flagship station of the Seattle Mariners. And what's going to be important is just to know when in the world are we going to be getting games for one, two, what's really stood out to him with regards to spring training. And if there is a situation in which we do have a long stoppage and we don't know how long the stoppage is going to be, are we going to need to reboot spring training, things like that? We're going to be asking him about that. And then we're also going to be asking about teams. We're going to be asking him about gameplay and most importantly, the juice ball as well, because that is so big with regards to what we saw in baseball last year. And I'm going to be answering so many questions on this podcast. And I know that a lot of you guys are coming over from college basketball. 
the big difference with regards to basketball and MLB is the fact that obviously MLB is a money line sport. You can take the run line, which you're either getting or laying a run and a half as well, but obviously there's a lot more juice involved. This isn't minus 110 spreads. So at GUnit underscore 81. I'm going to try to come at you guys with this podcast at minimum three times a week until we do get actual games. And then we we do get actual games. It's going to be daily because just like with college basketball, I give you a side in total on every single game, every single day. So we do want to make that moniker. And what is really important to note with regards to baseball betting as of right now is the MLB futures. Since I know that there's quite a few people that probably wound up jumping in on these. We're going to be asking Curtis about what the schedule is even going to look like once we do get games once again because we're in a very unique circumstance. We're hearing a lot of different things from the MLB. They wound up suspending play after a few games were played on Thursday with regards to spring training. So he's going to have more answers than I am with that regard. So I think that that's very fascinating. But I know that already the South Point Sportsbook out here in Las Vegas, they have offered a full refund on all MLB win totals bets, and I expect many more to follow suit. I think that there are a few already that have as well, but with that said, I know that with a lot of these books, you needed 160 games to be played in order to have action. I remember a lot of you guys had a bad beat with regards to having a Chicago White Sox ticket because 161 games were played. I know that the White Sox on a lot of tickets were one win short of being able to get there, and that one game that wasn't played was against the Detroit Tigers. I know that some of you guys pushed everything like that, so you do want to make that distinction. I know that with the South Point, as long as the season had started, there was action. The reason why they refunded it is because, well, season hasn't started yet, so there is that. So you want to check with your book if you do have a season win totals bet that has not been refunded yet as to that. And there's so many ways to be able to bet baseball. I'm just going to give you essentially the elevator pitch right now. And always, if you have questions that you want answered on the podcast, I'm going to encourage you to fire them in at GNRSquarty1 because I'm going to be doing another podcast probably on Monday with regards to MLB. And it's just going to be addressing all your questions, just getting prepared for the season, how to make power rankings, everything like that. I would do it in this episode, but I don't want to give you guys like a couple minute quick and dirty on it. We've got so much time now that baseball is suspended that we're able to go through, do a little bit more of a thorough job. But when it comes to baseball betting, like I said, money line sport, you've got your total with regards to runs over under. Typically, in order for a game to be official, you do need it to go at least five innings. We've seen suspended games in the past other than FanDuel. Typically, those do wind up being a refund. So you do have that going on. And then for totals, they're a little bit different than sides because if you wind up taking the run line in a game that does not have a full nine innings, or in this case, typically it is eight innings for the winning team if they are at home, if the losing team gets a full... 27 outs to be able to try to mount a run that is going to be considered a full bet with regards to totals but if the game winds up being stopped in the seventh inning or something like that the game ends six to three and you wound up having under 10 let's just throw that out there for an example that would be considered a refund typically by pretty much every book there might be one or two stray books but that is typically the standard in baseball but money line bets would be one slash loss so let's Let's say that you were on the team that won 6-3, you were laying minus 150, the game ended in the 7th inning, you get paid there, but run lines typically do not get paid out as well. For run lines, it is the same as totals, typically you need the full... 
nine innings or eight and a half innings if it's the winning team that is a home team. So you get 27 outs to the losing team is essentially what I'm saying there. So there is a lot of that. And then with betting baseball as well, you can go action on both sides. You can decide to have action on one side, which this might be something I look into because typically I've been a pitcher-dependent better. What that means is that when you make your bet, a pitcher for, like, say, the Detroit Tigers, you need Matthew Boyd to go, and they're playing the Milwaukee Brewers. You have Brandon Woodruff. We're just throwing that out there. If you go pitcher-dependent on both sides, that means that both those pitchers must start the game in order for your bet to have any sort of action whatsoever. Now, if, say, Brandon Woodruff winds up starting the game, he only makes it an inning, you have action. Now, let's say that there's an opener for the Milwaukee Brewers, say, Walkie McWalkon winds up pitching for the Milwaukee Brewers. Brandon Woodruff follows him up. You actually do not have action. So you do want to make that distinction, which is why you can actually do something where you have one pitcher that is pitcher dependent and the other side is action. And with action betting in baseball, it just merely means that whoever goes out there, that is who you're going to be having. And this works in the case of pitching changes as well, because with regards to a pitching change in baseball, if you wind up betting action, you essentially are going to be getting the price at that time, but if there does wind up being a pitching change, you then wind up getting the opening number at that book. So let's say that you bet action on the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers at the time of your bet are minus 190. Let's say that Brandon Woodruff gets taken out of the fold and they wind up putting in their... Ryan O'Callaghan, that is not even a real baseball player. I just made that up off the top of my head. You now get the newly relisted price. Let's say that Ryan O'Callaghan for the Milwaukee Brewers opens up a minus 180 favorite. Instead of having that minus 190, you now get minus 180. Let's say it gets back down to minus 170. You're still locked in on minus 180. So that is the way that baseball betting does work. And like I said, I do a side in total on every single game, every single day. I do have my power rankings for it. And I just encourage you guys to send in questions on this. At GUNRSquare D1, I'm going to be going through this the next couple days looking more at the nuts and bolts of this since we do have a lot of time on our hands. And what I encourage you guys as bettors is to not go into this completely blindly. Don't just start firing off bets on some league that you have absolutely no idea about. Let's say that this is your first time with baseball betting. Now that you have some time off, you're able to study up a little bit more on these teams. You're able to figure out a little bit more about baseball betting. You're able to ask me questions. I'm able to give you guys some answers to steer you in the right direction. This is actually a prime time to get into baseball betting. So I encourage you all to do that. And what I think is really important right now is to just get a little bit of an off-season recap and just know where we are in baseball in general. That's why I'm going to be bringing Curtis Rogers on this podcast. Like I said, he does terrific work with 710 ESPN pre- and post-game broadcaster for the Seattle Mariners. We're going to be talking to him just about how long this stoppage is going to be lasting for baseball in general, what you can take away from spring training, and we're going to be talking to him just with regards to are these players staying in shape with spring training? That is going to be part one of the 
conversation. And then part two, we're going to be looking more at teams and everything like that. So that'll be the podcast for today. Like I said, the podcast for in a few days. I just want you guys to send in as many betting questions as possible. Send in anything that you have with regards to team rankings. And I will say the letters DM in my book means does not matter. So please send them into the timeline just because I get 100 million billion DMs. But with that said, more than happy to answer those questions on the next podcast. And coming up next, we are going to be getting you set for the baseball season. We're going to be figuring out what in the heck is happening with the coronavirus. We're going to be figuring out what MLB's plans are for being able to get things off the ground and whether or not players are actually still with their teams or not. That is up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Hoops slash Diamond slash whatever you want to call me, Peterson. Greg is phoning a friend and going out to the hotline. And we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting. I didn't think I'd be doing this podcast quite at this time. I thought this would be relaunching after the first week of the NCAA tournament. But here we are, as it is always great to be joined by our next guest. He has joined me on Hoopa with Hoops, and he joined this fine podcast a lot last year, and I expect him to a lot this year as well. The sooner that we get to talk about actual games, the better. But with that said, it is Curtis Rogers. You can follow him on Twitter at a kid from Ken. You know him because he does pre and post game work for 710 ESPN, the official flagship station of the Seattle Mariners. So he gets in there. He does the Seattle Sports Night podcast. He contributes to the John Clayton Show. You name it, he does it. And he is one of the best minds when it comes to being able to track all sports in general, especially baseball. And Curtis, great to have you on the podcast today. Obviously, we are both bummed about everything that has happened the past couple days, but it's always good to be able to chat with you, my friend. Yeah, Greg, it's great to hear from you. And obviously, uh, you know, wish we were talking under better circumstances. But as the sports world has sort of hit the pause button over the indefinite number of days this will go on, it's still sort of a new feeling. It doesn't even feel like this is real. And yet here we are and talking about you know, things that might have happened, things that could have happened, things that haven't happened yet, and who knows if they will, but it's great to be able to kind of get our thoughts out there on all this because it's just been a 48 hours in sports that I've never experienced. I can't imagine anybody who's listening to this has experienced or yourself. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can liken it to is I just remember when there was a full week without the NFL after 9-11, obviously just completely different circumstances. This is not 9-11 by any stretch of the imagination, but with that said, that's the only feeling that I can get from it, and I was eight years old at the time, so I don't even remember it too well. Now I'm working in the industry, and it's just so weird, and I remember you were on my college basketball podcast about a week and a half ago. We were talking about, oh, Seattle had their last two games of the regular season canceled by the coronavirus, It's because Chicago State didn't want to get beat. And now we realize, oh, this is a little bit bigger than that. Just what happened in general that led to the postponement of the baseball season? Because we all know that the NCAA tournament got canceled and everything like that. But just Thursday morning slash afternoon, we were having spring training games. Now, as we do this podcast about 36, 48 hours later, we have no idea when the baseball season is going to start. Yeah, there is no idea when when the baseball season will start. And I think what led into the baseball brass, Rob Manfred, commissioner, Tony Clark, head of the Players Union, 
I think what led to the suspension of really any sort of baseball activity, the sheer number of other leagues across American sports and also globally, I think they kind of felt a little bit of pressure to say, hey, you know what, maybe it isn't the right thing to do to play games right now. If one of the best ways to, I guess, combat the spreading of the coronavirus is to you know, keep away large crowds. You know, here in the state of Washington, they've enacted a ruling from governor that, you know, you can't have crowds of more than 250 people at a time. And it's something we've seen in other states, but in Arizona, where the Cactus League is, where the Mariners are, the team that, you know, I follow the closest in the Grapefruit League, they haven't had those kinds of rulings from lawmakers or, or for, you know, elected officials and whatnot. And I think they just kind of felt, you know, hey, maybe it, it is time for us to really kind of take a step back. And I think MLB felt pressure because their season is so close to starting. And we're just a couple weeks away from opening day. As of yesterday, it was only two weeks away from opening day. It was scheduled to be on March 26th. Now, who knows if it's going to be even in the month of April. We could be looking at a May start. And, you know, I heard today that there are a couple of MLB front office people that still want to be able to play 162 games. And it, just looking at that, it, it doesn't seem possible to fit it in by the time, you know, the World Series end, which is usually the end of October, early November. So who knows? In really every sports calendar is thrown off right now. Who knows when the NBA season is going to end? Who knows when the NHL season is going to end? All four major sports are impacted by this at the NFL. They don't know if they're going to start their offseason at the right time. I think it's scheduled for the 18th, but who knows if that's going to happen. So it's just so bizarre right now, and we're left with so many more questions and answers. And I don't know if we're ever going to get you know full clarity on just what's going on. But I do commend baseball for you know saying, you know what, if these sports are going to take a step back, we need to as well. I totally agree with you guys. We do have Curtis Rogers of 710 ESPN and Seattle Mariners pre- and post-game work joining me right here on the podcast and Curtis, what I think is a big question right now is obviously we don't have spring training games, but are these guys continuing to work out? Are they continuing to be able to do a little bit of something to keep themselves in shape? Because they were stopped midstream in spring training. I have to think that once things resume once again, there's going to need to be a couple more spring training games before these guys wind up playing in actual regular season games. Yeah, so part of it, they have allowed minor league baseball players to return to their homes, wherever that may be. But they have also allowed players on the 40-man rosters of each team to have the option of either returning home, returning to the team's major league city, or to remain in either the Cactus League or Grapefruit League around the team facility. By the looks of it, most players have stayed around the team spring training facility. I know with the Seattle Mariners, Jerry DePoto, the general manager, said only three players from their major league camp have op opted to leave spring training and one on the 40-man roster, you know, you can leave that up to speculation, whoever that may be. You know, giving them that option, I think, is a great thing to do because it's such a unique instance where, yeah, you may want to be around your family members. I know, you know, my parents, they're in their 60s. They were about to travel next week and I had to sit them down and I was like, <laughs> I don't know, guys, like, I, I really don't want you putting yourself in in harm's way and who knows if there's a you know a travel ban coming who knows but I do think that is a good move made by Major League Baseball to give players the option of where they want to go because at the end of the day you got to look out for your health and we've seen it in the NBA with 
Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell both coming down with the coronavirus. I think there was a minor league player in, I want to say, Yankees camp today that contracted the virus. So who knows who has it? And that's the the scariest part about this is, you know, people don't show signs for two weeks. By then, you know, it's too late. So, you know, it's just a situation that I think every sports league right now is having to handle with oven mitts, with the most delicate touch. And, you know, I can't really sit here and say that any league has bungled you know, the handling of it, they've done it well. And, you know, they haven't really had any sort of PR disasters on their hands. And it's just something that I still sit here and I probably sound like a a broken record right now, but it's just such a unique situation that none of us have ever had to handle. So everybody's kind of being thrown into the fire together. No, not at all. As we do have Curtis Rogers joining me right here on the podcast. And I thought it was very intriguing that you said that there's a chance that they might try to play 162 games this year. What sort of plans are being thrown out there with regards to that? Because I would think that if they were trying to get in as many games as possible, and I can tell you right now, at so many sports books out here in Las Vegas, they've already refunded season win totals because they just don't expect 162 games to be played. I have to think that that would involve a whole bunch of double headers, and it just leaves us in such an interesting territory because obviously with the season starting a little bit later, yeah, you're going to avoid like snow outs, which that's always interesting when you have a game in Detroit in early April and you get snow out there. We saw that a few times last year, but with that said, it just causes a whole bunch of flux with the schedule, not just with regards to when it's going to start, but how these games are going to be played in general too. Yeah, and, you know, there was talk that the Mariners were going to start their season out in Peoria, Arizona, their spring training facility, because Seattle is is ground zero for all of this. That's where, at least in America, where they've had the most cases, the most fatalities, and, you know, you just kind of wonder, is it safe enough to play in Seattle X number of months down the road? And if they do want to go with a 162-game schedule, Yeah, doubleheaders are going to have to be played, but I don't see the feasibility. I think, you know, in 1995, I think is the best example of playing a decent number of games in a much shorter time frame. I believe the season started the first week of May that year, and they were able to fit in 144 games that season. I think that's the best example of somewhat recent time, I think, you know, 25 years ago or whatever, but that's really the only example I can give because it's something that, you know, they're going to have to really, really juggle a lot if they're going to, you know, try to get this season in and get more than 144 games because I was looking at tickets, you know, around, or I was just looking at my schedule around, like, the All-Star break or whatever, and who knows if the All-Star break is going to happen at the same time exact time so it is absolute chaos right now in baseball but hopefully things will start to settle down in a few days and cooler heads will prevail and you know they'll have a clear definitive plan on when to get things going again absolutely and let's just hope that the safety of everyone improves hopefully things get contained with the virus obviously news is not looking the best in the world with that but we can always hope as we do have curtis rogers joining me right here on the podcast and we're going to be taking a look a little bit more at the logistical things things that we've noticed with spring training and whether in the heck we are going to have the juice ball once again this season that is coming up right here on mlb overtime betting Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And we 
are back here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson, being joined by Curtis Rogers of 710 ESPN out in Seattle. He does Seattle Mariners pre and post game work, and you can follow him on Twitter at a kid from Kent. And I just alluded to it last year, MLB baseball, it was just consumed by the juice ball. Home runs left, right, and sideways. Guys that had absolutely no business getting the 30 home runs were getting the 40 home runs. It was absolutely insane. And then during the postseason, it seemed like they switched back to the normal baseball. It was so weird. Curtis, I don't know if you have any insight as to whether or not we're going to be seeing the juice ball once again or not, but what are your overall thoughts on this? Because I thought it was so weird that they used it throughout the regular season. And then the postseason, it was as if they almost used a dead ball. Yeah, I know. That was one of the crazier shifts we saw in gameplay last year in baseball. I would hope that they continue on with the postseason baseball because last year it got to a point where there was such a dependency on the home run that it really made games either far too predictable or not as watchable as they had been in the past. I think, you know, there is a value in being able to have gap-to-gap power rather than, you know, hitting the ball over the fence. Obviously, there is no more valuable hit in baseball than a home run. You get a run for it, yeah. But also, you know, continuing a rally, you know, keeping guys out on the bags. I mean, that is such a important way of how baseball is won and lost. You know, I think Major League Baseball, whether they want to admit it or not, you know, they definitely did something with the baseball over the last couple of seasons. And I thought the play in the postseason was very good. I thought, you know, this last year's postseason, the 2019 postseason as a whole, was one of the most memorable ones of the last decade, at least. And I think that style of play is very conducive to, you know, bringing in new viewers to the game. Yeah, it's not, you know, guys hitting the ball 500 feet or whatnot. But there is a beauty in, you know, seeing small ball get played when it's played right, when it's executed to its fullest. So I think Major League Baseball has learned that, you know, if you're going to tinker with the game that way, don't tinker with it to the point where it's unrecognizable. Because I think that was a tough thing for a lot of casual fans is that when you tune into a game, there's such a reliance on the three true outcomes a strikeout, a walk, or a home run. Basically, everybody's turned into an Adam Dunn type or Joey Gallo for a more recent example. And yeah, those players have their place in Major League Baseball, but to watch a game of nine versions of Adam Dunn or nine versions of Joey Gallo, it's a slog. There are a lot of long counts, a lot of 3-2 counts, a lot of long at-bats where you know, it's just kind of, all right, get on with it, put the ball in play, somebody. And when it doesn't get in play, then it becomes like, all right, really? We're going to watch, you know, a team get struck out 16, 17 times. So hopefully they can use this extra time to really, you know, improve the the quality of the game. There are going to be other, you know, changes made. The three batter minimum, I think, is going to be great. You won't see teams like the L.A. Angels are notorious for, you know, switching pitchers out after just one batter or even just one pitch thrown. When the games do resume, and I'm very hopeful of this, you know, I'm not going to be sitting here saying if the games resume. I say when because this is baseball. Like, it's meant to be played in the summertime. The summer without baseball is a summer I don't want any part of. Same. So when these games, you know, do resume, I think baseball is going to resemble the game that most baseball fans are are much more familiar with than the one we've seen over the last couple of years. I certainly do hope so, as we do have Curtis Rogers of 710 ESPN joining me right here on the podcast. And Curtis, 
I know that spring training, well, it had been going on as recently as 72 hours ago. So you were able to see quite a bit of not just the Seattle Mariners, but other teams. But what was your big takeaways from spring training as we've seen so far? Because obviously there's a lot of things that you really can't take away a lot from because there are guys trying out new pitches and everything like that. But I always think the one thing that you can take away from spring training is these prospects. They're not trying out stuff because they're looking to be able to make a major league team. We saw so many guys have good spring trainings last year, and then they were able to make a big impact on a major league roster like a Chris Paddock. I remember him for the San Diego Padres. He looked good at spring training, and then he wound up having a very good start to the year. Were there any guys that were really standing out to you that looked good in spring training that you think might have some upside for the season? Yeah, I mean, you said outside of the Mariners organization, but Jared (laughs) Kelnick, he's from your neck of the woods, Greg. He's from Wisconsin, and he looked really good. He's only 20 years old. But I look at somebody like Joe Adele of the LA Angels, who has all the tools in the world. He's at the very top of a lot of prospect rankings. Baseball America, I think, has him as their number four prospect. That's somebody who I look at as, I mean, a perfect compliment to Mike Trout in that outfield in LA. Somebody who can also you know, add another bat to that Angels lineup because you look at, at the Angels right now, outside of Trout and when Otani is the DH, I mean, they got Anthony Rendon. They brought him over this last offseason. But outside of those three, I mean, can you trust Justin Upton to stay healthy at this point in his career? Albert Pujols is a shell of what he once was. So if they can add another bat to that lineup, I think Joe Adele could be that guy for the Angels. Maybe not immediately, but certainly two, three years down the road. He's a really, really fun player to watch. I think he's going to be somebody that the Angels will see at some point this season. You know, other guys, you know, Houston, they get a lot of contributions. I look forward to seeing what Jordan Alvarez can do over the course of a full season. With the Nationals, though, replacing Anthony Rendon, right now they're looking at a couple of guys, but I think to me the guy I'm keeping my eye on is uh, Carter Keeboom. You've got Trey Turner at shortstop, so Keeboom, he's played shortstop his entire minor league career, so they're probably going to move him over to third base when he does make it to the big league level. I think that's why the Nationals were okay with letting go of Anthony Rendon because they've got somebody right in their pipeline that could contribute right away. And heck, if he's not ready to go, they still have you know some veteran players as Drupal Cabrera is there. They've got Starlin Castro too. So they've got veteran players, guys who can put the ball in play. And as we saw last year after Cabrera came over on the trade deadline, he was incredible for the Nationals, not just in the regular season, but also in the postseason. So I look at Keyboom and I look at Joe Adele as two guys who I could see making a lot of noise this season if they do get that opportunity with their big league clubs. Absolutely. And you mentioned some of the bigger moves like Anthony Rendon going to the Angels. That's obviously a big one. We all know about Garrett Cole going to the Yankees. But what are some other under-the-radar ones? Obviously, the Mookie Betts trade. I would be remiss to forget about that. That's one I think a lot of people are talking about. But I'm taking a look at some moves like Brock Holt signing with the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm a Milwaukee Brewers fan. I thought that that was huge. This is a guy that can play a little bit of everywhere. When he was at his full forces two years ago, he was a big kind time contributor for the Boston Red Sox. I do think that there are other headlines as well, including with those same Boston Red Sox. What in the world is going on with Chris Sale? Because this is a guy that's being reevaluated once again. He was not healthy all year long last year, and it looks like it might be a very bad year for the Boston Red Sox, given all that's happened. Yeah, you look at, at Chris Sale, 
And you got to really wonder, are his best days behind him? And you know, maybe it's that, that you know, arm motion that he has where it is very, very unorthodox. He's thrown across his body and, you know, he needs a lot of torque on that arm. And who knows if this is the downswing of his career. They spent a lot of money on him and David Price and they thought they were going to anchor that rotation for a decade. And while well, David Price is wearing Dodger blue right now and Chris Sale, he's on the injured list. So who knows if either one of those guys will ever regain their old form. An under-the-radar signing, to me, is one that happened sort of late in free agency. And this was a team that I thought had a really quiet, good offseason. And that's the Cincinnati Reds. And I'm going to go with Nick Castellanos, who was incredible for the Cubs. Definitely not the reason why they missed out on the postseason last year. Him coming over in that trade deadline trade with the Detroit Tigers, he was incredible for the Cubbies. And now he goes over to the division rival Cincinnati Reds, has versatility, can play third base and in the outfield. He'll probably stay in the outfield this season because they've got a Eugenio Suarez out in the third base. But you look at Castellanos, 51 games for the Cubbies last year, 16 home runs, hit 321, had an OPS over 1,000. You go to Cincinnati, and that's one of the better hitter ballparks in the National League. I'm not saying Castellanos is going to be you know, some 40-home run guy, but I think you add him, you look at the other guys that Cincinnati added, Mike Moustakis, they had a really good offseason, and they're a team that's quietly building something in Cincinnati, obviously with Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo in that rotation. Sonny Gray is out there, too. They added Wade Miley to sort of shore up the back end of that rotation. I think Cincinnati could really make some noise this season out in the NL Central, and it would be nice to see a new team kind of jump into that fray over the last you know decade or so. It's been the Cubs, Cardinals, and Brewers. You know, Pirates has kind of jumped in there every now and then, but I think the Cincinnati Reds right now, it's been a lot of years of just kind of bad to sort of mediocre. I think right now they're starting to put something together. And, you know, if they can get something else, if Nick Senzel can make another leap in 2020, I think they're going to have a really strong, strong team. And maybe Joey Votto can get back to where he was, you know, a couple of seasons ago. I know last year was definitely not the Joey Votto that we had all, you know, come to expect. But I look at Cincinnati right now, and they're a team that I think they're improving. I wouldn't want to fight Amir Garrett at any point. I know that. <laughs> no, not at all. And we all remember Aristide Aquino had one of the greatest months for a rookie we've yeah. ever seen. I think that there's a lot of upside with them. So I think that that's going to be very intriguing as we are on to Cincinnati and we are talking to Curtis Rogers of 710 ESPN. And with regards to that, who do you think might be a little bit of a sleeper team outside of Cincinnati? Because I'm right there with you on them. Is there maybe a team out there in the American League that could jump up, be this year's maybe Tampa Bay Rays? Because obviously out there in the National League, I sort of know where you sit there. But I think that in the American League, it's so interesting because you've got the Detroit Tigers, the Royals, they're all very bad. But I think that the White Sox have a chance to be able to jump up there, especially with the Cleveland Indians winding up making some offseason moves as well. And I think that they have a little bit of potential because the Minnesota Twins, we were talking about the juice ball and everything like that. They were the team that relied upon it the most. If the ball goes back to normal, I could see the White Sox perhaps being that team that comes out of the AL Central. I would not be shocked either. I think the White Sox had a tremendous offseason. I would put them as well as Cincinnati as the two teams that I think really did, you know, a stand-up job adding so many names to the young core that they already have. Yasmani Grandal, who has been one of the best offensive catchers in baseball over the last, you know, four or five years, 
their infield is really coming together right now. You've got Yohan Moncada, Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu. Those are three well-known names. And then they've got Nick Madrigal sort of waiting in the wings down in the minor leagues. Who knows when he's going to get his call up. I was looking at his numbers from last year because I saw somebody tweet out a ridiculous stat. It's like, this guy doesn't strike out. And sure enough, he only had 16 strikeouts in like 540 plate appearances, which is absurd in this day and age of baseball. The White Sox pipeline, they're still churning out guys. And then obviously, you know, mentioning Tim Anderson, last year's batting champ in the American League. I would expect his numbers to maybe dip off a little bit if he doesn't increase that walk total. Because, I mean, to put a ball in play that many times and have that kind of batting average, you're getting a little lucky at that point. But also in the outfield, Young Eloy Jimenez, who is 23 years old, he had a really solid rookie season last year. They added Nomar Mazzara, who it feels like Nomar Mazzara has been in the major league level for a decade. He's only 24 years old. I would imagine that's because being here in Seattle, watching him play for the Texas Rangers for so long, it just felt like he was, you know, a veteran of the game. And, you know, he's only 24 years old. I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential in him. And then also they've got Luis Robert, who is, you know, sort of along the lines of Joe Adele in terms of the most major league ready prospects in baseball. He's going to come up to the major league level at some point. And when he does, he's going to be really good. I mean, the White Sox have a really young outfield. They added to that rotation, bring in Dallas Keuchel, who's kind of a, a Mark Burley clone for a lot of White Sox fans out there. And then the bullpen, I mean, you've got... Alex Colome, Steve Ciszek, Kelvin Herrera, you know, a lot of guys who have pitched a lot of big innings over the last few years. And then they also get Carlos Rodon back, who missed most of last season uh, with elbow injuries. So I look at the White Sox right now. They've got a lot of things going for them right now. Obviously, we don't know when the regular season is going to start, but when it does, I would expect them to be a player in that AL Central. I am right there with you, and a man that is always a player with regards to the radio world in general. That would be Curtis Rogers of 710 ESPN. would like to close it up with this. I know that you do the Seattle Sports Night podcast. You do Seattle Mariners pre- and post-game work. You contribute to the John Clayton Show. Let the good people at home know where they get a, get a little bit more of your work in general and just what you're all doing because you're a man that you're very busy. Obviously, both of us are going to have a little bit more free time these next few weeks. But with that said, I know you're a very hardworking man. and You do some terrific work. Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at a kid from Kent. Instagram, too. Same handle. Uh, yeah, over the next however long it's going to be, we're going to be turning out some pretty unique content, I would say. <laughs> there are a lot of availabilities right now, so who knows how that's going to go. But yeah, you can subscribe to the John Clayton Show, Seattle Sports Night, Seattle Sports Saturday. Subscribe to all of those on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Yeah, Greg, I always look forward to our talks, even under this kind of cloud. But hopefully the next time we talk, we we have a lot better news. I'm right there with you. Hopefully things will start to get a little bit better. I have faith that they will. But something that's always great is being able to talk to Curtis Rogers of 710 ESPN. So a big thanks to him for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you ever have a question for the podcast, write it into my timeline at GNRS. Let's have today a very fun one. Unfortunately, it won't be a profitable one, but we can continue to get prepped for the baseball season. Thank you so much for tuning in.